driving from Limon on the east coast of Costa Rica to San Jose, the capital, in El Centro de Costa Rica. We have been checking out a lot of properties for our regenerative community that we're building. S3. S3. Spirit Science Sanctuary, Science Spirit Sanctuary. It's exciting stuff. We stayed on a farm for two days, one night. No electricity, no nothing, just nature. Straight up. <laughs> it was great. Great Th coffee. Yep, yep. Thanks to our friend Julio Boras, who's still with us right now. He's our third amigo here in Costa Rica, the third lake to this bar stool. And we are currently going into San Jose to meet with Julio's cousin and get together some of the legalities that are necessary in order to move forward with our regenerative community building. Actually getting these properties secured because of course there are all the nuances in being somebody from another country that is trying to purchase land so it's exciting stuff keep you posted now yeah. we'll keep you posted on the regenerative community building of course thanks for all your love in the comments about the regenerative community building and how excited you guys are for that we're super pumped for it as well yeah we're building the sanctuary so yeah, that's right. That's right. What were we talking about earlier today? Maybe we should uh, bring them. Yeah, let's do it. Let's flip her around. So, yeah, back. so this is uh, this is your beautiful Costa Rica. And now what we'll do is we'll switch it back over. It was super, it was super, super interesting. Okay, looks like we're good on the, on the view. I could just bring it a little bit over towards Tristan, like that, and we should be good to go. All right, looks good. So, what we wanna talk about this episode, and Julio might wanna wave and say hello. Hi, hello. Back, yes, Pura Vida. Our brother Julio. It's been so, so important while we've been here in making everything happen. We're so grateful to have a local connect. It's great that you guys Talent, met. Yeah. yeah, it's great that you guys met and then introduced me in as well. So, what we've been talking about today that's been a super duper duper fun topic. is North Stars. Having a transcendent noble aim and pursuing that. AKA your calling. AKA knowing what you want. Yes. And 
people have to be careful with the music based oh, on, yeah. based on uh, copyright infringement. Oh, yeah, yeah. We might get a strike for the first minute because of the music, but okay. we'll see. And yeah, it, we got two left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, won't be a, it won't be a channel strike. It'll be um, a copyright flag, which means we can't monetize the video. Okay. There's some interesting nuances to that. So even if it's only for one minute that we play the song, mm -hmm. that the artist can claim um, the entire 50 minutes of advertising revenue, mm. which doesn't really make sense if it's 49 minutes of content without... Yeah. Yeah. So I don't you, understand. Like you, you know, I love making cool videos, and I'm sure other people do. But like, you can't use music. Uh, it's just it's so complicated and so just all over the place. I mean, yeah, we should figure out a better way to uh, create dope videos and have access to these songs that we really like, and to pay the creators in a more uh, process-driven like application or something. I don't know. Anybody out there build an app for music uh, copywriting? for video creation. Yeah, like right now, the way it works is that if you have a YouTube library, free audio library, you can take creator's music and use that for free. And then if you use music that's not listed there, that's copyright sensitive, like anything that belongs to the like Universal Music Group mm. and stuff, that then they'll flag the video. And even if you only use one minute of the audio, and you have a 50 minute video mm -hmm. and so 49 minutes is novel content that doesn't use any of their music that they'll get paid out for the whole 49 extra minutes as well mm. and so youtube's sort of next step potentially algorithmically is to maybe pay for fractional like, fractional oh, that, that revenue makes, that makes perfect sense yeah, yeah. so we can use songs throughout and then pay artists and creators throughout. That makes better sense, yeah. But then also the producer of the video, because they made something novel, still deserves a chunk of it instead of zero. Well, isn't that that whole like digital, uh, uh, you know, the NF, what is it? NFT. N yeah, NFTs? Tokens, can, you, yeah. can you kind of give a little uh, brief about that? Because I've been uh, seeing, hearing interesting things and uh, I would like some context on that. Yep. So... We'll play with NFTs for a bit, and then we'll go to the North Star conversation because that one is, yeah, yeah, that one's the core of what we want to talk about uh, on the episode. So, in essence, a non-fungible token. When you look at something like a Bitcoin, a Bitcoin is something that you and I can exchange because the Bitcoin itself does not represent a unique asset like a non-fungible token would be for a crypto kitty the crypto kitty is a specific crypto kitty that is only if it's a tristan tyler blake crypto kitty it's a crypto kitty that looks like you that's wearing a little co-network sweater mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and it's like doing that. its little dance at the disco right with a little disco ball that's spinning uh -huh. and that's one digital asset that's that and nobody else owns it except you you made it you own it so you have an nft ascribed to that a non-fungible token so it's for a specific digital asset and how, how do you turn that into something that uh, so for example so let's just say i create a cool um maybe a banner for like an event or something right like some cool art um can I convert that into some sort of currency? Like, is it now essentially real estate? In a way? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, in at some point, people will decide on whether or not their assets are worth NFTing, 
or not, like a verb, NFTing. Mm -hmm. And because, for example, with our YouTube show, we don't care to non-fungible token our content. We don't we want it to spread. We, we, yeah, we don't need to make a little simulation NFT for each minute of our episodes and then create some sort of a person that wants to buy the minute 12 to minute 13 of this digital asset. Yeah, that's too complicated. But now if they want to buy the NBA Finals Game 4 video cell phone footage of you know somebody making a dunk that was really profoundly awesome mm -hmm. then then go for it that seems to make a little bit more sense than so customers than for this would be like national geographic sort of like they would want to buy a, a picture of some animal being photographed and they, it, it would, this is sort of like the protocol for transferring digital content is that really yeah what that we're can talking about? yeah yeah exactly yeah so so that's a uh, that's Oh, kind of high-level overview and again it's non applicable to things like Bitcoin and it's very fungibility with things like Bitcoin versus the non fungibility with things like the Tristan Tyler Blake crypto kitty uh, and so there's a sort of your tiny bit of, of difference there mm -hmm. can you make your voice a uh, An NFT? NFT yeah can you convert your voice so like so for example you create a voice thing and then you could sell it to some GPS company. Like, is that yeah. sort of like the mar the marketplace that's being designed with these instruments at this point? Is that kind of what we're gonna see soon? Yeah, any unique digital asset can be NFT'd. But the thing is, again, is that to make a NFT for everything is, again, something that people will have to decide and consider for themselves. So mm -hmm. again, for me, I don't give a living shit about NFTing our YouTube channel at all. Uh, I would rather, again, have it be completely decentralized and creative commons for people to be able to take and repurpose as they please. Make something worth stealing, <laughs> like, you know, copying and replicating. Like Yeah, it. and even, for example, I make a lot of great digital assets in Sketch and in Figma, and I distribute those a lot of sort of macro level maps their artistic distillations on the nature of reality and i don't tag any of those with our handles or anything because i again i don't care about people taking the memes and repurposing them and spreading them around the world and you know ultimately ethically and morally and at a level of consciousness elevation on a planetary level that people will figure out over time that it's all the same infinite source expressing itself and that this whole conversation about security and about privacy and about hesitation with sharing intellectual ideas, property intellectual property all yeah. of that stuff will melt away over time but that's that's, that's what i hope own, i fundamentally yeah. don't like why are multiple companies around the world working on the same thing that's just a waste of resources i'd rather you know uh kind of discontinue this whole like you know for pharmaceuticals let's say you can have a patent and stuff it's like uh, you just found formula of nature that's obvious you could like anybody who finds it you're welcome to use it or share it you know you can't really patent a piece of chemistry that's just a piece of nature i don't know uh, this whole ip um landscape is uh, overly complicated and it's protecting industries that need to evolve revolve 
Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so the North Star conversation is really important to Tristan and I because not only in High Level Perception, which we published in November last year, did we really focus on in Chapter 2, especially on Seed Theory, we focused a lot on North Star Perception, and it was a big overall theme throughout this analysis of the most genius people that have ever lived and died before us today, is that they had a transcendent noble aim that they pursued vigorously throughout their life, and that they dedicated their entire soul essence to that and that then that brought them lots of daily meaning and purpose and fulfillment because what they did was go so hard towards achieving some sort of a goal that would maximize human potential in a way and Tristan and I have both identified for ourselves that that has been a mission critical component of our lives as well as in other people we've noticed that when they do that that it makes their life so much better. You know, one of the interesting conversations that I have with a buddy of mine, um, you know, we have kind of a different way of uh, identifying meaning and purpose and uh, and wants, right? What do we really want? Um, and, you know, I've always been very kind of like comfortable with knowing what I want and I just go and and get it. I, I sort of sense, oh yeah, that's what I want intuitively. And it's so, and this friend of mine, uh, you know, he always describes that, oh, well, that's not, that's not kind of the standard. Uh, other people don't work like that. And for me, you know, it's really strange to say, what do you mean other people don't know what they want? You know, why not? And, and I think this uh, sort of uh, uh, being conscious of the fact that other people are very different from you and um, you know that people have different just layers of maturity layers of kind of experiences um, and different wants different types of wants even right uh, it, it's very interesting to try try to recognize that uh, not everyone is like you not everyone thinks like you and just to keep that in in ram I find that to, to be very helpful in understanding other people sometimes yeah some people don't want a transcendent noble aim that they're aware of that then guides their life like a calling or a north star and when people undergo said process what happens is a more tangled up web of ideas and desires that don't really have a direction and they kind of get dragged around by algorithms and scripts and that tangle ends up having the whole end of life they're laying there and as they're laying there on their deathbed there's a thought that why when I was 20 did I not pursue that idea? Why when I was 30 did I not make that decision to travel to that place and to learn that new thing or to pick up that new skill? Why did I have so many regrets? Why did I never untangle that massive bundle of desires and thoughts that I never aligned to a single transcendent noble aim that then 
drove my entire life. I have an, I have an answer for this. <laughs> it's fear. Fear and micro hesitations, which are born out of fears, small fears, or you know, on, on kind of, you can't pinpoint the fear, but it, it's there and it makes you hesitate just a fraction of a second longer. And I find that this sort of, um, you know, the, the the speed at which you can conquer a fear or reconquer it every time allows you to hesitate less, and therefore, you know, uh, you you can capture the opportunity. Um, when it's in front of you. Otherwise, you lose it. You can't even recognize it while it's there. And then somebody else may take it in a competitive landscape, right? You know, so fears, I think, uh, is what uh, makes people hesitate and makes people look away from the thing that they're truly passionate about. And I often speak about this and, and I keep relearning it every you know couple of weeks that my deepest passions are hiding behind my fears. And I've, ha I've had so many of them, like I have to keep on conquering them and rediscovering whether it's childhood passions. So very recently, you know, I got uh, re-involved in gymnastics and kind of remembered the feeling that I had in childhood at a little like circus school, right? Like a Russian Jewish circus uh, academy thing. And I really enjoyed jumping on the trampoline and doing backflips and stuff. And now, some of the pain in my back has gone away and some of my kind of, I've just conquered some of those things and I've returned to this childhood uh, passion of mine. And it was, it was hiding behind uh, a tremendous amount of uh, sort of baggage, fears that I've accumulated uh, in, you know, th from childhood through adulthood. Yeah, that was a great answer is that you'll have these bifurcations that occur in your life and one of them will be on the decision tree towards hell or suffering or fear or misery or anxiety or depression and it's usually when you don't take that tangle of desires and thoughts and use your will and use your choice to untangle that towards the other option on the branching which is towards heaven towards flourishing towards abundance towards prosperity towards your own north star executing and not only for yourself but for your family your friends your community the world at large and so to see that by dedicating yourself towards a transcendent calling it makes it so that you don't have those regrets on the deathbed that you end up courageously going on these heroes journeys and that you end up gaining super valuable wisdoms and treasures that you then share with your family and the world and it's super exciting and it's divine and that's why it's one of the most common archetypes of existence is to identify one's calling or North Star and pursue it with intense single-minded vigor mm -hmm. and bring the right tool set you see this is kind of what I learned about launching expeditions if you don't bring the proper supplies you will struggle you will you will have pain during that thing you will feel you know unprepared you like don't bring enough oxygen to Everest or the right shoes on the hike 
Uh, and I think experience and uh, kind of just doing it a few times really teaches you what gear you need to bring with you and your utility belt or your experience, you know, uh, essentially like module, right? Like which experiences can you use to um, navigate a situation or an environment uh, successfully? So also bringing the right tool set uh, is critical. And, you know, these are, these are fun to kind of prep and prepare almost like a bag before you take a journey. And there's something about being ready for the trip that I've also identified where you have to be prepared to go on this journey. And, and what is that readiness kind of, what, what do you think uh, that sort of state between, you know, just being kind of not ready for the trip and having that sort of threshold passed and now you're just, you wanna go and explore. Yeah, great question. It's like the fruit that becomes ripe and then falls from the tree and it falls into the hero's journey. Mm. And as you go on to the hero's journey, you face so many obstacles and challenges that you still have to persevere through. And that is such a valuable part of attaining wisdom in the process and then becoming a mentor to other people. So you have your mentors on your hero's journey and then you become a mentor to other people that are on their hero's journeys. Mm -hmm. That's and, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of this sort of backpack that you want to pack really well for your hero's journey Everest climb is that naturally when the fruit's ready and ripe, it falls and that you're gonna go with exactly what you need yet at the same time to be vigilant about what exactly you're bringing with you and so in this case it's things like you want to make sure that you know how to learn meta learning oh yeah learning how to learn that's critical yeah and so Tristan and I are both hyper obsessed with this and that's why we make for great friends and partners is because we know how to systematize learning a language. We know how to systematize learning about biology. We know how to systematize learning spirituality. We know how to systematize the very processes after 10 plus years of investigating them ourselves to where we know how to apply the power law distribution where you need to identify only the approximately 5% of Key. aspects to biology or to spirituality or whatever the, it is. The, the keystones. The keystones, those cornerstones, those most macro level understandings that give you the greatest amount of breadth and realizations in the field right off of the bat. And so in this case, it's like when you go off, make sure that you know how to learn optimally. Make sure that when you get into understanding biology, that you're not jumping into a, a single species of animal in your study, but rather learn everything about the fundamental unit in biology, which is the, the cell, cell no. first. Learn about DNA, learn about proteins, learn about RNA, metabolomics, etc. Learn about all these components inside of the cell that then give you the greatest understanding of how it operates as a neuron, as an immune cell, as in across species, all this type of stuff. 
So a yeah. person is, uh, so, so there's kind of a two-step process here. Uh, process one is there's uh, just a tabula rasa person doesn't have a, 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 you know, a North Star, a mission. You know, you talk to somebody who's, you know, in these uh, hostels that we've been at, right? There's these 20, 25, up to 25 year olds in there. Kind of, they actually don't know what they want to do. They're going to school, but they haven't chosen a program. They don't know what they're even interested in, right? Uh, but they have to choose a program, which which I, I actually uh, I want to I would love to challenge that paradigm. Like you don't know what you want to do until you've done enough things, and to kind of force somebody into a, a degree or something is uh, sort of narrowing the scope. Uh, and you you better you hope you're lucky in choosing the right narrow lane to go down because uh, the cost of returning and starting another pathway is just too great. You know at least for the education system that we have today. And uh, this goes into the, uh, uh, you know, the education system that we want to create uh, in order to um, resolve this problem, to allow people to choose multiple simultaneous directions, kind of almost like the same way a, um, what do you call those, the, the algae would take, the, uh, uh, the slime mold. Yeah. You know, imagine like, uh, I don't know what I want to do, but you slime mold your uh, options, and then the fastest kind of connect, the one that has the, the most food at the source or the most sort of, uh, you know, thing that excites you. So how would a person identify something that they're really passionate about? How, what does it feel like when you're holding something in front of you? And I'll give you an example. Uh, for me, I know now, 34 years old, that if I'm really like, if I start doing it and I can only last about 25 minutes before I'm just overwhelmed with excitement, like I'm too, I'm just too intensely excited, I know that that is a, so that would be like, let's say studying star formation or, or black holes or like, you know, all these phenomena, uh, these interesting, you know, the voids in, in, in space, the uh, Lana Kea supercluster. Look up Lana Kea supercluster, just any video on that and my, it's so intense for me that I have to turn it off. Like I have to move on to current events news or something, or like I have to just do something familiar because I'm so um, stimulated, hyper stimulated, right? Super mega ultra stimulated that, uh, that I can't continue on. And, and I think that the process of um, sort of distributing this intense, of uh, 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 emotion and feeling over a long period and just kind of learning to not be overexcited by something is the process of learning to uh, cope and learn this thing. So that's a meta process for me. If I'm too excited, I recognize that that's immediately a deep passion of mine and I need to almost um, desensitize myself to the excitement of that thing. I literally become afraid of how exciting it is right? Success. You become afraid of how successful you, you know, how po the possibilities. Imagine this thing actually works out. You get so overwhelmed with excitement that you stress that you, it's hard to sleep to a certain extent, right? So, you know, desensitization through just a, a repeated um, interaction with it, fifth, sixth time, you're already more like, you know, I've been here before. It's it's not as scary as it 
simulates. And that's the funny thing, if you really watch your fears, uh, actually, fear can, like, it's not ugly, it's, it's the truth. You're afraid of the true information. That's actually always it. You're never afraid of bullshit or something wrong or, you know, fantastical. You're always afraid of the truth. And that's exactly where you need to look in order to find uh, A, what's been missed, or B, step stones to the next path. The truth cannot be ugly. Yeah, those are, that was great. So we have this sort of slime mold analogy where we've talked about this like a buffet also in high level perception over the last couple of months where you want to, kids to have a buffet of options for them to be able to That's pursue to put yeah, their North Stars and callings for them to figure out, to grow out like the slime mold. And then like Tristan described, there's a, and before we get to that point, there's a fog that sometimes happens where it covers many of the options on the buffet, where if the parent is very dogmatic and is very focused on just money or something like that's a good, yeah, good job or, or a specific religion is another way to put it if it's just focused on dogma and fundamentalism in a specific religion then the child's options will be super constrained as well and then similarly if the parent is obsessed in pushing their child into just business become a lawyer or something yeah or lawyer doctor yeah. and so to remove that fog over the other options on the buffet is, is mission critical. And then the other point that we were talking about was that there's a feeling that comes when we've identified the option on the buffet, like the slime mold that is most gravitated towards that. Most gratifying. Gratifying sense, yeah. towards that star, towards that calling. And and so what that what that typically feels like is like Tristan described a little bit ago, there's a there's a level of divine resonance that is unavailable anywhere else. And so it's not something like a massive instantaneous eureka and you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. For some people it is like that. But for the vast majority of people, it's kind of like a, huh, this is pretty interesting. And then it sort of grows on you over time. If you If you're playing the piano for the first time and it's like, Okay, this is hard, but I really am loving just the way that I can combine musical notes into songs. And then you keep doing it over time and you learn your first song and then you play it for somebody and you make them really happy. And you're like, wow, that was fun. And so you kind of learn that vibe resonates with you and that then that becomes the it fills sort of that calling or that North Star position. And by the way, the calling or North Star position, it can be something that is, the piano might fill the position for, you know, three years, five years. It could get you, it's a step. It could be a step to the next instrument. To the next instrument or potentially even to understanding uh, cymatics or mathematics or whatnot as sort of yeah. the next sort Things of Things deliver you to other, yeah, and and by the way, like today, uh, I don't do something unless it's hard. I've, you know, reading about memory and learning and how all that works. Uh, at this point, I recognize if I, if it's something easy, if it's something familiar to me, 
I'm not learning, I'm just autopilot doing. Uh, but if I'm really struggling, so I struggle with mathematics and uh, and that's pers- that's where I'm like, oh, that means I'm actually learning. That means I'm actually covering new territory. It's sort of an indicator yeah. uh, uh, that, wait a minute, you're a new, in a new property, in a new land, and there's something to discover here that you haven't already found. So at this point, you know, I've found a lot of things and, and I know I've cataloged and I know what they are and I'm looking for new ones rather than just being in the familiar territory. So I I demand uh, my new hobbies or passions to be difficult because I, I want to learn a new skill and, and actually kind of challenge myself. Simple things don't really even, not simple, but, but easy things that are connected to things I've already mastered are not uh, fun at this point. Not divertido, as we say. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you can feel that. So within this sort of North Star calling, you'll have a you'll have a zone that's typically called your flow state, and then you'll have the zone sort of below that, which is like this shit's too easy, and you'll have the zone above that, which is this shit's too hard. And so you really want to stay in that flow state. And so the idea is that if you go and you jump to the hop vibration, and you're trying to understand how quaternions work that you're probably going to be in the too hard zone and that you'll probably for me I felt a similar thing as Tristan was describing where I was like holy shit I'm actually really hardcore learning some stuff about math right now and that it felt very flow statey but it was definitely borderlining on the too hard and so you almost know, you're like, okay, well, don't push it. You know, it's a natural, intuitive feeling. Okay, well, don't push further than this into the hardcore mathematics, but ease a little bit back into the kind of explain like I'm five macro level understandings of where the hop vibration is actually practically explainative in things like uh, the way that the helical movement of the solar system around the black hole in the center of the Milky Way is visualized and the way that that also is mirrored in the as above so below phenomenon of the DNA double helix. And so the the too easy is usually where most people find themselves, which is- Stable, they kind of sit there and enjoy sort of feeling comfortable. Yeah, so this is where you have the classical phenomenon of, well, I could on this, bifurcation pick use will or choice to do something that requires more of a cognitive load of the pursuit of my north star which might be learning how to play a new song on the piano or might be picking up another lesson in python programming and the other option on the decision tree is to go out to the bar with my friends or it's to watch, watch a familiar watch YouTube a familiar video, something you video, already know, or even a distractive uh, Netflix show or whatnot, and so sedative, very sedative uh, show, mm-hmm. and so to view your North Star trajectory and your entire calling in life as a series of bifurcations 
where you're constantly undergoing the choice or the will to delay your gratification towards something that's divine and transcendent versus something that's instant gratification oriented. It's a really profound visualization for perpetually choosing the delayed gratification options. So how would one go about kind of finding this North Star or identifying it? You know, is, it's, is it a feeling you get? So for example, hop vibrations, right? Uh, very interesting, mathematically complex, uh, requires a tremendous amount of uh, geometry, you know, ge kind of non-Euclidean geometry stuff, whatever. And, uh, you know, there's symmetries there. There's a bunch of words that you don't understand and they require uh, their own sort of context and when you look into any one of these words you don't understand that what words are being used to explain those concepts now so so here's a key concept that I would really love to deliver to everybody in a very clear and simple you know five-year-old language you can learn any phenomenon that exists in our current reality you know if you want to so if there's anything you ever wanted to understand whether it's how the sun works how does biology you know how does the dna and we talked about this work? earlier when we talked about meta learning and power laws yeah so you really want to go from the most simple fundamental units like an octave when you're playing piano to understand how the octave works yeah. to understand how the fundamental unit in biology of the cell works so a technique for this that i yeah. wanted to share is essentially and like everybody should be doing this all the time write down any any new word that you don't know the precise meaning of and it could be a technical term or it could be a, uh, you know, an actual word, like, uh, you know, a beautiful word of some sort, right? Uh, you need to write them down and save them and, and just define them later, kind of like read about them. So you need to fill your vocabulary. You do. You need to grow your lexicon. You need to grow your nomenclature. You need to grow this mental lattice work that you have. And this is part of the school pedagogy that we're building out where you'll grow your own and visualize your own unique lattice work that will then enable you to do things like Build fire fire and wire repeatedly in neuroscience so that you actually retain the information that you're learning and you make novel connections between those fields and so in this case it would be something like only a couple of years ago did I even learn that the word metaphysics exists? Mm -hmm. So I never even knew that there was a word for the study of the nature of reality. I never even knew there was a word for that. And so, again, having added that to my nomenclature, to my lexicon, into this lattice work, now I'm able to more easily reference the study of the nature of reality. I'm able to look at the more nuanced intricacies of that. So if you take that concept and then you define it yourself and then you go and you read the Wikipedia about it you go and you read the 
Stanford philosophy documents about it and you just repeatedly search for all of the world's most profound metaphysicians that have ever lived and died before you. Yeah, it's a formula, yeah. And and if you if you truly feel like you're obsessed with the study of the nature of reality, you will come to the one the same one end about our infinitude that all of the others came to and it's the same truth with biology as well is that if you go and you study the fundamental unit in biology you will over and over again recognize that dna rna proteins metabolomics the stem cell differentiation the animal plant fungal human Kingdom. kingdoms expressions of said biological expressions you will absolutely come to the same one end if you go really hard and you can get it done in three years or five years instead of 30 years yeah and so absolutely. that's that's a main core of what we are talking about in our pedagogy you can certainly concentrate a lot of these ideas into understandable packages and really get a sense for how DNA works. Now the details, the kind of going in deep, deep, deep into the you know alleles and the expressions and all this stuff, um, you have to build that on t those kind of trails on top of um, a uh, sort of standard database of knowledge of, of kind of a, a lattice work of information. Um, so we're what I just heard the word obsession. And for me, that's always, an, if somebody's obsessed about something, that's an indicator that they found their North Star, or they're full speed ahead. This is, a, you know, a direct path, right? Almost one-way ticket. Uh, that's a prerequisite for, um, for knowing what you want. Sort of like, well, once you know what you want, you become obsessed in achieving it, or just obsessed about a certain concept. Is obsession uh, something that everybody experiences, or is it more likely in some people? Kind of, and and is it even you know sometimes it can be destructive in, in terms of an ultra obsession, right? You forget to eat and sleep because you're working on your app and whatnot. Um, so let's talk a little bit about obsession because I personally, uh, well, I, I don't do things unless I'm obsessed by them. It's just I, I don't see the, you know, you. you you can't create anything unless you're you're obsessed with the object. So, uh, how do you feel about uh, obsession? And uh, yeah, yeah. Similarly, with that power law description, that's so powerful. There's the vast majority of people on the planet right now, eight billion, are sort of beginner to amateur level obsessed about certain things and very, very few people are hyper obsessed about their North Stars and callings. And so it just follows that power law distribution and that some people are also like you were indicating obsessed about ice cream and pizza and Netflix and other people are obsessed about curing cancer. And so you're gonna get a destructive obsessions like cocaine and you're gonna get a positive obsession like providing a billion people that don't have access to clean water with it yeah yeah so and we had an awesome conversation yesterday about uh, really you know the people that are the most creative can also have the same 
turnkey for destruction. Like, it's just as easy to create the world as it is to destroy it. Yeah, Tristan used the example of you can, with your genius, you can make precision medicine or precision missiles. Yeah. Uh, so, and I personally, um, I struggle with this because as an inventor and, you know, somebody that plays with technology and just experiments with new forms. This and is actually exactly where spirituality, morality, ethics comes into play is that when you combine your science, technology, engineering, which is you can either make precision missiles or precision medicine with yeah. spirituality, morals, and ethics, what happens is, is that the pendulum swings more and more towards precision medicine and yes. away from precision missiles. Now, I am currently uh, essentially, I, I have a strategy to maintain the positive technological uh, sort of spirit, right? I am in this state where I'm focused on learning about stem cells and medicine and how to heal the, mod the body and the mind. Um, but when I'm in a dark mode, in the sense of maybe I'm financially strapped or maybe, you know, somebody cut me off and I'm angry, maybe kind of somebody, uh, you know, I just feel on uh, like un underappreciated right and we go through these waves uh, whether they're real or not is irrelevant we all feel them and it's during the moments of your uh, sort of weakness your your fog that you forget the the important lessons and you forget sort of your north star and you just grab onto anything that's nearby you sort of go into this, this sort of fear mode uh we were talking yesterday we don't like to listen to our fears because they're so uh <laughs> you know they're intense and the amygdala wants to say something but you have to ignore it and use the you know the prefrontal cortex you have to give yourself a second to um get back onto clarity and stable ground so i personally find that uh, music and and dancing actually brings me to joy it's like uh, I have these two neuro tilts that that communicate with each other and the the warrior Jew uh, only puts down his sword or his weapon when the music man is playing an instrument uh, and we've been talking a lot about this kind of um, you know war dance uh, dichotomy right I see there's literally no difference between war and dancing. Capoeira, fighting, it's converting, you know, fighting and, and like, like impact into art and dance. Uh, these tribal, uh, sort of the New Zealand, uh, the, the, you know, the Maori and all these uh, uh, different uh, tribes, they dance this, it's a, they, they literally dance with like war instruments, but they make it into beauty. And I, I personally believe that we can convert our war lust into profound music and dance. And that's my goal is to remember how much I enjoy music and to always steer towards um, dancing and music and family and love versus conquest, war, destruction. 
I'm very open about this. Like, uh, as, a, as a man, you know, uh, I would love to thrust a spear into a competitor. Just, I, I'm, I hear it, I, I, I know myself. I would love to go to war and win, to conquer. I would love to take a city. I would love to conquer this city right here. But the question is, um, imagine everybody wanted to do that. There's no room for survival. Our species isn't worth uh, preserving if we're all gonna be this kind of uh, ape conquer sort of primitive uh, lizard thing. I think today, even if you want, even if you feel the need, the compulsion to conquer and dominate, um, well, at this point, I like to surrender and try the other way. Like, I, I really, you know, it all learn how to down, lose, learn how to down, not fight. All boils down to do you know yourself at the yeah. end of the day. It was written on the top of the Temple of Apollo at Delphi 2,500 years ago. It's been talked about for millennia. Know thyself. What does that mean? Know thyself as the ultimate. Know thyself as the absolute. Know thyself as the highest expressing itself endlessly. And you are that and you are the form and identity that you've taken on right now. And it's exciting and it's playful, but it's a costume. And you're in a play that's on an eternal stage and that most people are obsessed with their costume and therefore they have these tendencies or these habits as Tristan has indicated where they're like why don't I drive my spear through the heart of somebody else or why don't I conquer this land why does the world have such a tight line with war why 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 well it's because they don't know themselves they don't know themselves because they think that other people are actually belong to some sort of other thing when it all belongs to the same infinite source expressing itself in that we are all that so under the costumes is the one heart under the costumes is the one heart and if you don't know that you're gonna have tendencies of malevolence that arise and or self-destruction or self-destruction and when you do know that when you do know thyself what happens is malevolence dissolves yeah when yeah. you truly know the one heart when you truly know it it dissolves you know what else it says on the uh, temple of delphi there's two other Delphic maxims, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, the one that really resonates with me is nothing in excess. Yeah, nothing in excess, and the other one is surety brings ruin. Those, nothing, are, those are the three. Nothing in excess for me, you know, because I'm very excessive, like as an obsessed guy. Like, if I do something, I do it intensely. Uh, some would say too intense, just all in. Um, and, and, you know, it's uh, like, one of the things that I've been learning in these... This funny kind of counters a lot of the principles of what we've been talking about because nothing in excess when it comes to drinking six glasses of wine per day is a good idea. But nothing in excess when it comes to pursuing your divine transcendent noble aim is... Well, hold on a second. Maybe I should be very obsessed about that and focused on that, but I shouldn't go so far into obsession and excess with my North Star to hurt, my, that to hurt myself, that I forget to stretch my body, that I forget to take Just eight hours of sleep, etc. So yeah. it is a very strong... Entrepreneurs have this, yeah. It's a very strong aphorism, and yet at the same time, remember that what you put into 
your North Star position does deserve your absolute highest sacrifice, excessive, perpetual. Way, when you actually, you know, so it's, it's funny, uh, how many, when you actually achieve one of your goals, you actually get what you wanted sometimes, <laughs> you know, and it's... We're at 52, so let's wrap mm -hmm. some here. It's very interesting when you actually get what you wanted quite a while ago, and then you're like, ah, like, this isn't exactly, like, I don't, I, I, I got it, but I don't want it anymore, or it's not really what I expected. And having gotten exactly what I wanted a few times now, and getting another chance to, you know, I'm so grateful for, multiple chances to get what I want and then to try again to not be forced to stay with the thing that you wanted the first time right actually the world as it is now is currently a uh, an old wish that I wish I could take back the things that are happening now geopolitically and stuff um, that was a wish from another decade and and I'm so kind of disappointed in my um, just lack of uh, sensitivity to the consequences of my wishes, you know? So I, I don't blame this whole thing on me, but um, I wish this into being, uh, and now I want to take it back. And that goes into uh, knowing, like, before you go and get what you want, like once you've identified something you want, make sure you really want it like have a way to establish if it's something you actually want because when you get it do the five whys okay why 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 so when you list your north star and your north star is i want a house then you ask why no yeah. and so then you go because i want shelter and then you go why because i want to feel safe and then you go why because I feel unsafe and then you go why because well I don't know why I feel unsafe maybe it's because of something that happened in my childhood or whatever it is yeah. and so the five why activity is good and then if you sort of perpetually structure the five whys more and more towards something that actually is a transcendent noble aim that's not something that's just material so there's a big difference between your calling or your North Star being a, a house or a sports car <laughs> versus when it's a giving the billion people on the planet that don't have access to clean water, clean water, yeah. or solving one of the greatest energy challenges of nuclear fusion, etc. Fusion, fusion physics, yeah, plasma yeah. physics, yeah. So over and over again, ask yourself these why questions and get down in the deepest roots of why you want what you want to purify where you're coming from so that it's coming from a place of solving one of the biggest challenges that maybe you locally or the world faces any scale of that that resonates with you but then where you're coming from in terms of are you doing it purely for service to yourself and your family or are you doing it in the world or are you doing it from a place of trying to extract a house or a sports car or whatever out of the equation so that you can feel secure feel something that you feel is currently lacking yeah 
Uh, yeah, that's working on the underlying thing. You know, it's interesting, like oftentimes you speak to people and they want things that they already have and they don't know it. Like they already have, you know, some, some people will say like, oh, I, I, need to, I need to make a million dollars so I could go traveling. And it's like, um, why don't you just go traveling now? And there's no reason why they can't uh, other than this uh, condition that they've set in order to artificially um, distance themselves from the uh, activity or the or the required kind of acts you know oh I'll do this once uh, once we move to a new place and this is basically sometimes people put uh, sort of blockers in front of their goals that are artificial and have nothing to do with actually achieving uh, what they want. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting to watch people uh, oftentimes have something that they think that they want. Well, so summary is North Star slash calling slash transcendent noble aim. Hone in on that as deeply as you can repetitively. Untangle yourself from the mixed bag of frequencies, thoughts, feelings, desires, compulsions, emotions, behaviors, patterns that don't give you a clear daily meaning and purpose and something that you can contribute to yourself as a deep responsibility to your family, to the world at large. So untangle those mixed frequencies towards a calling, noble aim, North Star, that is divine and perpetually hone in on that on a daily basis and you'll as is said in the Sanskrit tradition karma yoga you surrender the fruits don't pursue the fruits purify where you're coming from so that your north star has nothing to do with you obtaining some sort of material possession but rather through your perpetual service you will inevitably gain from that process as well which is mission critical yeah kind of a, yeah I, I really like that a lot um you know don't be extractive kind of be uh, uh in the sense uh giving and and sort of shepherding yeah hmm. perfect yeah that was a great discussion i really that enjoyed good. that good one um we love you guys love you tristan that was great bro yeah that was great show them a little bit of the thing. Yeah, we will. All right. So uh, let's write in your what you want into the discussion thing. Like, because uh, the most exciting thing about figuring out what you want is actually meeting others that want the same thing and accelerating that process, kind of getting there faster together. Which is why we're building S3. S3, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's a, so finding your community um, becomes a lot easier once you can accurately um, verbalize the thing that you're searching for and just ask any, you know, the other people that are in the same uh, sort of, that know that vocabulary and right away you have some something in common that you can work towards, yep. which is really fun. Yep, so leverage the simulation community. Let us know how you feel about the episode in the comments below with your North Star, with your callings. Share those in the comments. See if you guys want to send each other some direct messages and uh, collaborate and create together. We do also have our Sim Club option as well uh, by joining the channel you can check that out and also if your video brought you value give it a like subscribe if you haven't share the video with other people that you feel like this would resonate with mm -hmm. and we adore you very much love you love you infinitely thank you for tuning in
And this will probably be the last pod that we do. We have a lot of sort of legal stuff that we have to take care of in order to make this regenerative community happen before we both uh, leave Costa Rica and then come back to continue architecting. So adore you, stay tuned for that. And we're pumped to share that with you as well. All right, much love. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.